Okay, so before I was going to start this, I thought, well, maybe we should call this one uh, The Age of Aquarius Isn't What You Think It Is, or Everything You Know About the Age of Aquarius, Aquarius Is Wrong, which is probably half true at least, but that at least makes for a good headline, right? And part of this has to do with the astrological concept of epics, of, of eras and ages. And it's actually one of the topics that gets, for people who are very aggressively wanting to debunk astrology and kind of undermine it, this is one of the things that they can actually jump on or they like to jump on to kind of let you know, hey, well, if you look up in the sky, the universe is actually moving backwards. So you say you're in Aries, but Aries isn't Aries anymore. And they're right. Aries isn't where you think it is either. So, you know, there goes your, your whole worldview as well. No, it doesn't. But in, in Western astrology, we use what's called the vernal procession of the equinox. We'll, we'll nerd out a bit on the, the technical stuff for a bit and then go into the, the mythological, astrological stuff that's, I think, more interesting. But And what that means is that as the universe moves backwards, we still align our zodiac around that initial vernal equinox point. And so the 12 signs, you know, if you're born at such and such, well, the planets are still aligned against the zodiac signs from when that vernal equinox point was aligned with Aries. And so it was, there's a one-to-one ratio. As the vernal equinox point moves backwards, we, it moves through Pisces and now through Aquarius. This is what's meant by the age of Aquarius that was supposedly dawning in the 60s. And eventually we'll move into the age of Capricorn and so forth. Now, in Vedic astrology, in Indian astrology, they actually measure everything exactly. So if you ever get a Vedic reading and you're an Aquarius, they'll probably tell you you're a Capricorn. Or if you're a Pisces, they'll tell you you're an Aquarius and so forth. Because they're actually making the adjustments. Uh, so everything is sort of internally consistent for them for that model. But for Western astrology, everything is internally consistent within the zodiacal uh, sphere, but everything is moving backwards slowly over the the uh, the epical ages. So, what does that mean for us? So, roughly every 2,000 years, 1,500, 2,000 years, we get an age as it, as that that vernal equinox point moves backwards through a sign. So, you look at the great agricultural period, roughly and very very roughly 4,000, 2,000 BC, the great era of warrior heroes, you know, the Iliad, the Aeneid, and the kind of conquering era for civilizations back from until basically the birth of Christ and then the Piscean era which would be the Christian era until roughly the dawning of the age of Aquarius and now we're we're it's 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 not an exact science but we're fairly squarely I think transitioning out of the the Christian epoch into the the Aquarian era and so one thing is just to, to clear up about the Aquarian era. Aquarius is one of those very misunderstood signs, especially among amateur astrologers. Back in the 60s, you know, they got uh, their their heart was in the right place for a lot of things, whatever that means. But they were wrong about a lot of other things too. And uh, sort of our 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 new age crystal forebears, you know, there a lot of great work was done there, and there was a lot of kind of total Fruit Loop way out stuff that was wishful thinking and and just sort of mystical stuff that that kind of led nowhere, I think. And it was new back then. So there's a lot of risk of idealization and kind of totally out there thinking and everyone was high all the time. So, you know, so it was. But a lot of what people consider the age of Aquarianism is, is a kind of universal enlightenment and a kind of kumbaya oneness. And, you know, they're not entirely wrong about that. I think that's part of part of Aquarius. It's not all of Aquarius, but part of Aquarius is definitely concerned with a kind of universal oneness and, and, and cosmic connectedness at least. Connectedness at least. And yes, they're with the Uranian mythology. 
back in Aquarius, the idea to return to the stars is definitely in there. And, you know, it may well happen in the next 2,000 years that, you know, with technology advancing at the clip that it is, and that technology really underpinning the age of Aquarius, like science, that's what we're going to get to here, that, yeah, it's possible that we'll be living among the stars in the Aquarian ideal soon soon enough. So if we do want to be leaving our bodies behind and sort of, you know, consciousness traveling at light speed and, and somehow transcending the physical, the mortal coil, which is part of Aquarius's ideas, you know, we've got a, a at least a thousand, maybe two thousand years to kind of perfect that. So if we don't destroy ourselves in the process, you know, I think that's part of the, the vision of what's going on. So, you know, maybe we'll be the last, the last one because we will, we'll, we won't be on Earth any longer. But for those of us who are looking forward to the age of Capricorn in two thousand years and everything kind of gets back to reality, you know, we, we hopefully will stick around until then. So we'll see. But yeah, anyway, so the way I look at these things is the mythology that underpins the culture to an extent that you don't even see it is kind of that's the kind of era you're in. And I think looking back at the Christian era, the, the, the Piscean era, and just many of you, you will know that, you know, Jesus is actually, you see people still today with their the little stickers on the back of their car with, with the fish. Jesus as the fish, as the Pisces, there's a kind of synonymousness there, where it's not the, the, the fisher, there is the, the fisher king mythology, where there's the, the fisher of, of, of souls. This is actually Jesus as fish, the fish, the Pisces being the redemption sign, and, and, and very, very much associated mythologically with, with self-sacrifice, with all of the, the beautiful qualities of the Christian religion and uh, the suffering for others and taking on other people's sins and so forth. This is the sort of the, the epitome of Christian mythology. But looking back to the era before that, of the era of, sort of, of the heroes, the warrior heroes, you know, those were the people that everyone wrote about, everyone talked about was Achilles and and Aeneas and all the sort of great, great battle battlers of that time. And But, you know, for the past 2,000 years, people wrote about Jesus. Jesus was the archetypal center of the culture. And I liken it back to let's say 2,000 years ago or 1,000 years ago, you know, even the kings and the heroes and everybody else, the priests still sort of ruled the roost. The, the priests had sort of ultimate authority and their worldview was, was just something that was just, every, the world was steeped in. There wasn't really an outside perspective in, in the West. And, you know, the, the priest class of that time, you know, they studied, they, they studied all these languages, the Aramaic and Hebrew and Latin and Greek that no one else had time or education or really probably even an interest in studying. And they had this sort of learned scholarship about, um, this is the Sagittarius priest class, they had this learned scholarship about the Bible, and they were able to, through their wisdom, consult with the, the, the scripture and basically tell people what was what. And the laity, the people who were basically illiterate in their own language to say nothing of, of Latin and Greek and Aramaic, were kind of at the mercy of this priest class to tell them kind of what what to do, you know, how many Hail Marys they had to say to, to get out of the doghouse and, and, and what they had to do for their, to, to fix their problems. And many of these priests were healers as well, you know, they would perform exorcisms and various healing modalities as the priest class. And they were the ones that you kind of look to. And even kings and queens and the most powerful people in the world sort of bowed to the will of the priest class. They had that kind of central authority. And for them, the Christian religion wasn't the sort of interesting mythology that they liked to talk about and study. It was the living blood of their culture. And it's interesting because they would look back in the Christian era, you would look back on the mythology of Zeus and Poseidon and Hades and all that sort of stuff and say, oh, look at that mythology, those sort of pagan uh, beliefs and so forth. But if you go back 
you know, 2,500 years ago, 3,000 years ago, that was the lifeblood of, of, of those cultures. And, and there's a wonderful line, I, I often go back to the show Rome, which is just, again, it's so well done, how it brings to life the, the, the religious life of the, of the Romans, how the religion was sort of integrated into, into ancient life. Uh, and there's a, a brief line where one of the, the characters says to his sister, says, oh, well, you know, it's possible that gods aren't really real or anything like that. And, and the, the sister says, oh, brother, don't be horrid, you know? And uh, there's actually the sense in which, you know, talking like that was was just it was sacral it was insane it was sacrilege it was just not done that to think so outside of the mainstream religion because for them it wasn't a mythology it wasn't all these interesting stories it was a religion it was a li the living blood of the culture just as christianity has been for thousands of years and now as we move into the aquarian age you know we 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 look not so much in the sort of aspirational 60s oh what's it going to be what's it going to be you know it's already sort of here it's what it is and you look at who has replaced the rep the priest class as the ones that that the priests go to. <laughs> when the priests have problems, they go to doctors. Uh, they go to scientists. The scientists and the scientific religion, or the, with the scientific mythology, has more or less replaced that as the kind of unquestioned backbone lifeblood of our culture, where you wouldn't think twice, the president wouldn't think twice about going to a doctor or asking a scientist, you know, well, if it's scientifically proven, what's the scientific evidence? You know, what, is the, what do the scientists say? And when you use that kind of terminology, you know, you don't say, well, the Bible says XYZ, you say, well, it's been scientifically proven. Duh. You know, there's a kind of just so understanding that if it's scientifically proven, well, it just is. That's just what it is, you know. And while we're in the culture of the Aquarian Cultural Foundation, the Aquarian era, challenging that, you know, you're sort of insane. If you just say, oh, well, science, who cares? That's just statistical probability and who's done the, the extra research or we have corroborating studies, you know, questioning it for most people, for the laity, you're almost like you're crazy, you know, in this era. And, and that's very much indicative of what an underlying mythology is in a culture. And I think that we see it in the, <clears throat> in the epic we're in, in the Aquarian era. It's why I say we're basically here in the Aquarian era right now. And it doesn't yet have to do with unicorns and spaceships, you know, yet. But the the scientific and the the, the scientific level of Aquarianism is uh, it, it gets sort of short shrift in the '60s New Age lingo. But it's really the, the the meat and potatoes of Aquarius is that objectivity, the scientific process, the kind of and sort of the medical model plays into that very well. And this is these are the the Sagittarian priests today are the ones who spent years and years not studying Latin and Aramaic, but studying formulas and chemistry and biology and the scientific processes. Who most people don't have the time to learn, they don't have the education to learn, or really the, the interest in learning how science really works. And you know, as long as it's published in you know the Science Friday or the Tuesday. A, uh, science pages of the times you know it's fairly fine oh well it's just what the scientists say that's just what it is there's a kind of you know radical defer deferral to the scientific establishment just like the we did to the priest establishment a thousand years ago and previous to that to the to the the, the priests of jupiter and priests of aphrodite in the ancient world and so you know we have a 1500 2000 years whatever it turns out to be to explore this aquarian myth as our backbone of our culture. But, you know, when we're in it, when we're steeped in this mythology, it's hard to differentiate that from reality. You know, we just assume, well, this is how it is. The scientists say, this is, you know, this is reason, this is fact. You know, you can't question science. It's, you know, you can have an opinion, but you can't question facts. This is what science says. This is very, very common in our, particularly in our, in our global warming debates, but in all kinds of debates, that if you, if you can't, you know, pass scientific muster 
And if a certain class of peer-reviewed experts don't agree with you, your opinions are kind of just, just silly or insane or superstitious or, or whatever else. And I think that as we make this transition, it's fascinating hearing the kind of the, I hate to call them the hangers on. I'm personally, just a bit, I don't have the, a lot of animosity towards the Christian religion. The way I know a lot of people do, so a lot of New Agers do. I didn't grow up in it, so I don't have the, the baggage. But, you know, I, I certainly read Christian authors who are, and I, I have Christian friends who are just like, you know, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, it's sort of, it's, they see the transition and the kind of undermining of the, of the culture. And certainly the Aquarian culture, the Aquarian mythology absolutely undermines a Christian culture. Christian culture is based on faith, not based on, 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 on objectivity and, and, and scientific studies as a way to kind of glean fact. And so there's a, there's a strong contradiction there, but, but you can see the kind of power moving out of the, the, the Christian mythology into the scientific mythology as really what's underpinning the the culture and, and will be for quite some time science technology and then medicine replacing the the healing levels of the priest class and then the the the, the textbooks the kind of guiding truths that that underpin the culture are going to be what's going to be pumping out of the laboratories and so forth and uh, you know we'll we'll do maybe more on science later and and sort of the limitations of science but for most people raised in our culture there are no limitations of science the understanding is science knows in fact the word skira science comes from the latin skira which means to know <laughs> so it's it's not guessing it's not hoping it's not fantasizing it's not mm, you know aspiring it's just it's fact and you know the scientific method much like the Christian religion, the scientific method actually has a very beautiful humility to it and actually a beautiful process of understanding and the limits of knowledge and we're, we're learning more all the time and, you know, this is what it looks like today, but it could be mis- disproven as we gather more evidence and so forth. There's a beautiful humility and almost mysticism to science at its core, but as it's practiced, both, I think, the Christian religion and this, the, the, the scientific religions, they fall prey to the human desire to, to know and the human desire to have power and they kind of get rid of the humility and they say, well, we know this is what it is. The Bible says this, therefore you're going to hell unless you pay up or the sign says this is going to happen unless you pay up or unless whatever you take this pill. And there, there's a very, very strong, um, uh, tendency to kind of remove the, hum- the the humble aspects and the proces aspects of of the the the, the faiths and 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 the mythology and sort of take on the power be- that's involved with it because there is in this both the scientific and the Aquarius and the and the the Piscean eras there's a lot of power to be had if you are in alignment with the on the undergirding mythology if you are a practitioner of the foundational mythology of your time, you can have great power. And, uh, you know, the warrior class certainly did in the Aryan age, uh, in the age of Aries, and then in the, the priest class they did in the age of Pisces, and the science class does today. And, uh, and it's interesting as you get into the later signs, the Pisces and Aquarius, that it's a lot of times the, what's ironic is the sort of, traditionally the power went to the sort of alpha masculine, uh, strongest, biggest, strongest, fastest person. And in the Aquarian, in the age of Aries, that was largely true. There was a great amount of respect due to the, to the warrior class. Now the, the poor, in the, in the Piscean age, the priest class, often the priests were, were not this. They were actually the, the weakest members of society that somehow were able to achieve massive status 
uh, in their society by pursuing the scholarship of the priesthood. And I think the the kind of archetypal nerds of the Aquarian age do the same thing. These are these are the kids who get picked on in high school by the the football guys, and then come back to turn into Mark Zuckerberg and 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 you know <laughs> buy out their neighborhood or whatever, uh, or or develop the tech and the scientific authority that gives them incredible status based on that rather than the sort of uh, brute physicality that was uh, really what did it in the in the in the Aryan age, the age of Aries. So anyway, the point of this, I guess, is to sort of look at the Aquarian age not with a sort of aspirational objectivity, but to say we're actually it's it's look around you, look at what is. So there's a just so quality to this that it's like we may want to aspire to grow the, the Aquarian mythology that we're living in into the flying saucers and into the 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 space travel and into I mean there, there's tremendous risks I think of communism I think it gets a very communism works great in small groups as we we mention in in our talks about Aquarius but it works it fails miserably in large groups and it works great when you can volunteer in and volunteer out and be part of a church or a yoga studio or a health food co-op or whatever and if it doesn't work for you you can leave and join a different group that works actually very well but when it becomes coercive and, and large scale historically at least it's been a, a humanitarian disaster on the you know to the today there are gulags in, in North Korea and, and in China and there have been in, in Cuba and sort of certainly communist uh, the Soviet Union was famous for its gulags in East Germany and just the, the horrors that go to anybody who who doesn't conform to the prevailing dogma and that's a risk of Aquarius is is the, the extraordinary dogmatism of the prevailing worldview, especially, hey, when it's a scientific worldview, how can you argue with that, right? Because it's scientifically proven, it's true, it's a fact. Everything else is irrational and insane if you disagree with the prevailing dogma. And and I think that's a lot of the 60s kumbaya culture. There was a strong kind of intentional community movement growing at that time. And I think that can be lovely and beautiful. But the risk of having that mythology as our underpinning cultural mythology is is extremely dangerous politically, socially, and, and, and religiously and so forth. And it's one of the reasons I, I, I'm actually in America. It's unusual for a guy like me to feel this way, but I'm so grateful for the the strong religious culture we have here because it's a strong bulwark against that. You know, you may not agree with most Christian tenets or the way it's taught or the way it's lived and so forth. I won't argue with that. But the fact that there are strong groups that believe in things that you cannot prove with science is a strong bulwark that we have in this country against the totalitarian creep of scientific advancement that is very, very tempting to kind of have some rational, perfect system that all the smart people figured out and everyone has to conform to it because it's scientifically proven and it's true. That's a very, very tempting inflation is what Jung would call it, arrogation of, of, of the intellect in the Aquarian mythology. And very smart people, I'm a smart person too, we're all prone to this. The idea that we can figure out some perfect system and if everybody sort of fits into it, then we'll have this utopia on earth. And this has been tried and, and failed literally every single time. <laughs> and and it's it's a danger of, of, the, of the intellectual part of the chart, the air signs, the Aquarian signs, kind of divorced from the rest of the chart, trying to extricate itself from the primitive impulses of the charts, the inequality in the rest of the chart, and trying to impose utopia on a very, and uniformity on a very diverse world. Anyway, that's that's some of the risks that come with the Aquarian age that we can, we can look forward to, and why it's so important to maintain some kind of perspective. And astrology is one of them. Christianity is another one. As the Christian era, the Piscean era, I think try to bleeds out a little bit into the, into the Aquarian era. 
whatever else we have to kind of give us the perspective to say, okay, the rational, hyper-rational, Aquarian, egalitarian, socialist, conformist, objective, scientific approach has a lot of value, but it's not the only game in town, even though it's the, it's going to be the bedrock of the culture for quite some time to come. Having the perspective to kind of let the rest of the human condition thrive within that is important. And, you know, the, the, the Christian era definitely crippled a lot of religions. Astrology was one of them. Didn't do very well for a lot of the Christian era. Had to kind of, you know, hang out in the corners. And every, and, you know, in, in the era before that, the Christians didn't do so well either. The, the sort of redemptive religions in the, in the age of Aries. I don't think did very well either. And so there's always the risk of that of, of oppression uh, from the dominant paradigm and how we find ways to mitigate that uh, as, you, as the negative side of the Aquarian era, uh, we start to see more and more of that, I think will be interesting. And so part of astrology and part of the kind of alternative spiritual modalities that are still cropping up through the Chiron mythology that's still growing, I think will, will be very important to kind of have some sort of alternative offset for the uniformity, the risk of uniformity of the scientific model, which I think is very dangerous. So so not to diss science, a lot of great things from science, but but the the, the tendency towards a totalitarian objectivity and uh, and control based on purely abstract reason, particularly when it's corrupted by by Pluto and by the the fact that there's no such thing as absolutely pure science, where there's no economic financial status motive, where you have absolute objectivity, where you're able to replicate experiments indefinitely to prove that they're always true, the, the limitations of simple time and simple location, the limitations of statistical thinking and the laws of large numbers and so forth. There's all kinds of limitations to science. So when you impose that as, the, as a sort of monocultural monolith, you're going to run into huge problems. It's built in. So I think have, as astrologers, we're able to see the beauty and the elegance and the value of science within its place, within its proper confines to Aquarius, the 11th house, and, and Uranus, and say, this is an incredible power in the universe, but it's one of many. Let's balance it with the rest of the, of the lifeblood of the universe. But as we 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 continue into the era, age of, astro, of, age of Aquarius, the epic of Aquarius, we're going to tend to see that that mythology being the dominant one so much so that we don't even see it like fish and water we made us not even realize we're living breathing the aquarium mythology today and we just consider it a backbone of truth and the cultural understanding so uh, being able to pull out of that a little bit and see it for astrologically i think can be very helpful and the, as we transition that transition especially from the christian era to the the piscean era to the aquarian era we're able to sort of see the seams before we get you know 500 years into it where we're, we're, we're totally consumed by the Aquarian mythology. So be interesting to see how that fold, uh, unfolds. It's a fascinating topic in astrology, like so many. Uh, and I hope this, uh, hope this didn't nerd out too much, made some sense. Thank you.